So the Olympics start tonight in Beijing. I don't think anyone's paying attention at all. No one is hyped up about the Olympics. But as we've discussed, why is China hosting an Olympics games? Olympic Games? That's it. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Great to be with you. Why is China given this? Second time in, in a decade. What is the International Olympic Committee even thinking? And why should we compete? I get why the athletes want to compete. I'm asking why we should be a part of supporting the regime. Senator Todd Young has been all over this subject, putting out the hashtag Beijing behaving badly and on a daily basis discussing things happening in China that are problematic that the world should know about. He joins us now, Senator Todd Young of Indiana, of course. Good to have you here. Uh, you, you've almost taken this on as, as a unique crusade. What is your argument that you make to the American people regarding the Olympic Games in China? My argument is this is a great opportunity, not only to cheer on our athletes and to hear our podium music uh, as we win medals, uh, but more importantly, to provide some context to these games. At the time that uh, the Chinese Communist Party tries to use this uh, event to elevate its own regime, to normalize the fact uh, that this slaveholder state is hosting the games, and to demonstrate uh, a cultural strength to the rest of the world that uh, uh, it's it's able to persevere in the midst of COVID and hold these games, um, we should we should uh, turn the tables on them. We should use this as an opportunity to call attention to China's worst human rights abuses. This is uh, why I've launched a social media campaign using the hashtag Beijing behaving badly. And I'm on a daily basis itemizing the many human rights violations, the way in which they're censoring the Internet, abusing our journalists, um, even forcing uh, many of their own uh, subjects into uh, forced labor uh, to make Olympic apparel uh, for the amusement and enjoyment of uh, athletes and spectators alike. One of the things that you make mention of is that the International Olympic Committee has not attempted to stop apparel made with forced labor from being sold. It is these kinds of things. It's the treatment of, of, of the Uyghur Muslims. We saw China put down the Hong Kongers who wanted to be free. And and you, you, you're left to ask... Is is this conversation? And I'm not I'm not harping on, on you specifically, sir. Is this too little, too late? Why weren't we more proactive when they were putting the, the, the Uyghur Muslims into labor camps? Why weren't we more proactive when they were cracking the skulls of Hong Kongers? No, it's it's a fair question, and uh, we in Congress, I'm glad, uh, albeit I, I I think it was belatedly, have passed legislation that would ban uh, the production of of or or purchase of items. Uh, through forced labor that would uh, prohibit Americans from doing business with those sorts of companies. But it's always too late with Beijing. You know, we are, uh, for better or for worse, and, and typically for worse, we are joined at the hip uh, with the Chinese Communist Party economically. And it's going to take some time to unwind this. But in the meantime, uh, there are a lot of ways that we can apply pressure to the Chinese uh, communists to, uh, to bring to light there are horrific activities, and that will hopefully expedite uh, the rate at which not only the United States disengages from uh, China, but many of our partners and allies. It's one of the challenges here 
if if we decide to not go to the Olympics, if if we decided not to sell into their market, uh, you know, in in the current status quo, you're going to have other European or Asian countries that that will take that market share, and and um, the Chinese, you know, won't won't lose much out of it. So we need to. Uh, basically, we need to pull the other allies and partners we have on our side and collectively bring, uh, uh, bring our leverage against the Chinese. That's, that's the longer game. In the short term, uh, we need to take advantage of every one of these opportunities to, uh, to call out this totalitarian state. Talking to Senator Todd Young of Indiana, uh, I am a believer, sir. And I don't know, I, I might be in, in, in a minority here, or maybe I'm just vocal about something that people think but don't say, that one of the interesting things about China, in, in my view, is that they are a paper tiger. This is a view that I've heard espoused by people like Gordon Chang and, and some others, that while they certainly have a military, they work aggressively on military buildup, while they certainly uh, are responsible for manufacturing that would hurt America for a while as we got ourselves ramped up again, no one has ever thrown the punch, uh, even metaphorically. No one has ever thrown the punch to say, hey, what you do is wrong. Cut this nonsense out. Hey, Chinese people, push back against these the, this ridiculous regime. In your view, based on your study, can China handle any bit of destabilizing? Because when they saw some destabilizing, that's when they brought the force to Hong Kong. When you have a top-down uh, state like the Chinese Communist Party is, uh, and, and Xi Jinping uh, has increasingly centralized control around himself and uh, a couple of close advisors. When you have that, you have, by definition, a very fragile regime. So, Tony, you're right. They have a tough time adjusting to things like clamping down on their access to our stock market, uh, our investors here in the United States. Uh, we need to continue to tighten that economic noose. Uh, they have a tough time adjusting to many of the own, the, their own domestic reforms that uh, Xi Jinping uh, has, has been using to crack down on his own people. It hurts their economy uh, quite badly. So this is exactly why doing things like, like elevating their human rights abuses during the Olympic Games gets under their skin and, and can lead to uh, disruption. Uh, we, we have seen, we've seen riots in recent months in various areas around uh, China. And this is in a totalitarian state. So I do think it's fragile, Tony. Um, that's exactly why we have to keep up the pressure on every front, including uh, spotlighting uh, these, these uh, human rights violations. Many people say, well, it's just human rights. You can't affect any sort of change in China. I refuse to believe that. I, I think uh, we proved otherwise during the Soviet Union uh, when we called out their gross human rights uh, abuses. It was quite damaging uh, and embarrassing. To the Soviet regime, uh, we need to do the same thing uh, with the prideful Chinese Communist Party. And, and that's why folks will check out my social media campaign, hashtag Beijing behaving badly. Uh, they can inform themselves and hopefully uh, share with uh, some of their uh, associates, friends, etc. Well, I have a couple of minutes. I'm going to shift gears quickly and head to Ukraine, Russia with 100,000 troops on the southern border, Russia working with Belarus to the north, Ukraine being surrounded, uh, this possibility uh, of 
of an invasion. I had a conversation with Noah Rothman of Commentary Magazine yesterday, and his point was was that the, the, the purpose of deterrence is to deter, is to when you see a bluff, you have to meet the bluff so the person who's, call, who's making the bluff gets called on it, and that's that. If you don't call the bluff, the bluff works. The question that I asked is if we're discussing whether or not NATO is going to, uh, you know, we've got troops on the ready, whether NATO is going to utilize them in, in Eastern Europe, does anybody believe that the Biden administration would call a bluff? Meaning, would Vladimir Putin actually worry about what the United States would do in this case if Russia indeed decides to take part of, of Ukraine? Your take on whether or not the Biden administration can provide, can call a bluff to a point that actually equals the concept of deterrence as we've known it. Yeah, you can only have deterrence if you maintain uh, your, your, uh, your toughest medicine uh, as, as, as a fallback option. That is, don't take anything off the table. Don't take anything off the table. We've already seen the administration publicly take off the table uh, sanctions against international banks trying to move money uh, in and out of Russia, for example. The, the so-called SWIFT system that's used to uh, funnel money ar- around Europe, uh, they shouldn't be doing that. They certainly should not be taking a military option off the table. Uh, they may have their own belief about where this ought to be headed, uh, but but if you're if you're taking things off the table when you go down to in, uh, sit down to any negotiation, uh, by definition, uh, you have less leverage. Anyone who's ever bought a car knows that, and 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 so that's one of the real you know uh, shall I say shortcomings I've seen uh, in in this episode uh, is you have to demonstrate strength. You especially have to demonstrate strength uh, in a situation like this in the wake of looking weak. And let's face it, we looked weak in Afghanistan, the way that we disengaged. So there's a lot of apprehension among our allies and uh, a sense of vulnerability uh, among our adversaries, uh, most notably uh, Vladimir Putin, that uh, we're not going to, uh, in the end, we're not going to do anything to use your uh, term that we are a paper tiger. And so what's at stake here, Tony, is not just about that little country called Ukraine, uh, you know, outside of uh, Russia. In fact, you have every malign regime around the world watching what happens here. And if we allow Vladimir Putin to gobble up this country on the border of NATO, then suddenly Xi Jinping is going to be licking his chips all the more uh, for Taiwan. So uh, that is indeed what is at stake. Senator Todd Young, I appreciate you. You find him on Twitter, hashtag Beijing behaving badly. I appreciate you taking uh, the time uh, to be uh, with us. There is much, much more to get to. I'm Tony Katz.